0: Praise the Lord and good day to you. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in the studio at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. Glad to be gathered around. God's words of life, light, and liberty with you on this day. Great day it is. Best day we've ever had. What's that mean? It means today is all we've really got right now. Faith can be or faith will not be. And I'm excited that we can be gathered around God's word because that's the only place faith can come from into our hearts. And know this, when faith comes... Faith overcomes. Our study is in 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning, and I pray that you'd get your Bibles, pencil, paper, follow along, that you'd open your hearts, that the Holy Spirit might be able to impart truth into your heart today. And I know that He will desire to do that, He will attempt to do that, and I believe if we are desiring truth in the inward parts, then we'll understand that's what the scriptures say God desires, is that man has truth in the inward parts, and then he will do what he does. He will guide us into all truth. Amen? And, uh, well, we're excited this coming Monday morning at 9 a.m. We'll be beginning Determined Youth Camp. And uh, it's such a precious time that uh, kids from all over will be coming and grown folks and even younger than teens will be there with parents and guardians and we'll just have a great time praising the Lord, worshiping the Lord, hearing the word of the Lord in truth that keeps us the course and continues to show us that that our our determination is God's determination not for us to know anything other than Christ and him crucified and to be learning the word of God in the context of true light which is the lamb And our kids are going to be raised up in that light, in that truth, in that admonition of the Lord in the way, His name is Jesus, that they should go and the promise is that they won't depart from it. Hallelujah. That's a promise, praise God. And so that starts Monday morning. They're right outside of Palestine, Texas. It's the second year we've had determined youth camp and we're just excited about it. It will be... I think like uh, I forget. we started Determined Camp meetings in 2014, and uh, this, uh, this is going to be a grand time in the Lord as well there at Christ Community Church. Pastors Clint and Lindsay Bass there in Palestine, Texas, this October, the 5th through the 8th. You surely don't want to miss that. It is where people gather around the sacrifice. We gather around Jesus Christ, the great truth of what he did for us at Calvary, that which God has told us to be striving together and reaching for, that which God has told us to Only be found boasting in that which God has told us is perfect and complete and is all that he will be found working in and through. And I praise God, I praise God for that great truth that we find liberty and power and wisdom and all the grace that we need for every situation that we'll ever be in. Do we get it right every moment? No. But he is there every moment trying us, trying to get us to see just how perfect and complete and spotless that lamb was and what he accomplished for us in his death on Calvary's tree. There, From there alone comes the power, the wisdom, all of God's saving grace and everything everything else that we need, and I'm excited to know that. Hallelujah to the Lamb. 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning, the last couple of sessions have all been so special to me as the Holy Spirit lays out the realities of, of uh uh, the truth of Jesus and, and what He's done for us through His death at Calvary, His miracle work and power, and all the miracles He performed, so beautiful to look at, and all represented things that will be so in the kingdom age and really forever and ever. But the door was not opened. To anyone for salvation, as far as being in Christ and His Spirit being in them, until He died. That, that's right. Until He died, His His death is what allowed him, the one who claimed twice in John chapter 10, that he is the door, the cross is the hinge, his death is the hinge that opened that door and allowed God to speak through that door just as he had done all throughout the old covenant scriptures in type and shadow but what was closed up behind the door in type and shadow. But the death of Jesus opened that door that that voice could speak to us in a way that would draw us to God and not to paradise, but to God. And and, and we could be in him and him in us and we could walk with him and he could walk In us and with us and literally put his words of life, light, and liberty in our hearts, writing them on the tablets of our mind. I'm talking about new covenant activity, new covenant blessings, hallelujah. The cross, the death of Jesus is what opened the door, not just opened the door, but it's the only place God opened for us to be able to place our faith in. It's the only place faith can be placed in. The death of Jesus is the door. Yes, we put our faith in what God has said, and it's legitimate and it, that faith will work for us because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. As long as it it is coming, as long as this faith that comes to us when we hear the Word of God is the faith that is placed in the death of Jesus that door opened and allowed God to declare his righteousness through that door it allowed us to hear through that door and to believe to with our hearts within that work that door and when we did God called that us believing unto righteousness and because our faith was placed in that door, his name is Jesus and the hinges is dead, then our mouths begin to speak of that great salvation. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And it's so important we understand these things that God hadn't taken us and then replanted us somewhere else after he planted us in the likeness of the death of his own son. It's the only door that God reaches into our lives to be able to do anything, and it's the only door that we can offer back to God the fruit of what he is doing in our lives. Don't you know that's what worship is? It's us offering to God praise and worship because of what he has done is doing and is going to do in our lives for us, to us, through us. And that one door is the death of Jesus Christ. There is no other door. This is why God says that the only boast he allows is the boast in the cross of his son. When you accept that, when you accept that, and you begin to walk in that, your boast will be found in that, and you will be found growing more determined to know nothing other than that great, perfect, finished work of redemption in the Lamb slain on Calvary's tree. Hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Watch this now in our study today. uh, We saw last week, that in 1st Peter chapter 5 verse 5 the bible begins speaking of us clothing ourselves with humility this of course means we must remain with our faith in the only place god has given us to place our faith and that's in the death of jesus that's where he clothed us with the humility of christ with the obedience of christ with the grace of Christ that he tasted death by. We must always maintain our faith in the sacrifice of Christ. Hear me very carefully today, not and something else. It's the work that Christ did. When our faith is there, repentance is taking place because we've seen the goodness of God in what God did in Christ for us on the tree. That's the goodness of God that brings repentance. Paul even wrote about it when he told Timothy that we must be apt and ready uh, and gentle to, to, to be found teaching the truth. Teaching the truth because it's the only avenue of repentance. The truth shows us, the truth shows us God's goodness in Christ through what he did by providing him as the slain lamb on Calvary's tree so that we could have grounds to repent. Amen. That's the goodness of God. It's not the cross and something. It's the cross alone, and that's why our boast is there alone, not the cross and what we must do. The cross is what God did in Christ Jesus so that all the work would be there finished and our faith would have a place to rest so that we could watch the Holy Spirit through our faith in that one door work out our own salvation. Hallelujah. So we're told in verse 5, to begin here, to clothe ourselves with humility. Again, that's going back to the cross. Because without faith in the cross, alone, alone, no additives, my friend, When we add to the cross, it proves that we are refusing to be determined to know nothing other than the cross. When we say that you can praise and do this and you can dance your way into victory, we prove that we are not determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. And I have to say this today, and those who love the truth won't mind it. It's those who really are kicking and bucking against the truth that do not like the truth. But the Bible says that the fear, the, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And he shows them his covenant. That word shows them is, is means that he makes known to them his covenant. So the reality is where God is not making known His covenant to anybody, it's because they are not fearing Him. They're looking for another way through which change can take place. Salvation or deliverance or anything can take place outside of his one exclusive and perfect and finished way of Christ, his son, as the lamb crucified on Calvary's tree. When that's not enough, then the fear of God is not there. And he cannot make known to you. We wonder why these people are out boasting in this and boasting in that. It's because because they have refused they have refused to accept the way of the cross as God's final answer, His final word, because it's so perfect, it's so complete, that when we think it's not enough, then God can no longer show us. He can no longer make it known to us until we admit this is the way. I did not know this way of the cross for sanctified living, for the way of victory over the sin nature, for the, the way of all the grace of God to be there functioning in my life. I did not know that until I accepted the cross as God's final answer. For all things, not some things, not almost all things, but for everything. If that weren't the case, God would not have told us to boast only in the cross by which, through which, we were crucified to the world and the world and everything in it has been crucified to us. Amen. If the cross was not his only final and complete and perfect answer... He would not have told us to be found striving together for the faith of the gospel. Surely he would have told us that the cross wasn't really enough. We had to believe that to get in. But, 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 no, my friend, those who accept Christ and what he did at Calvary as God's final complete perfect answer for every aspect of redemption he will begin to make it known to you like never before but those who kick against it thinking well there's got to be more then they eliminate themselves they eliminate themselves because they, they they have not accepted the very truths they've read in the bible i want to remind you of john chapter 6 at the end of that chapter jesus told Those who followed him, and there were multitudes, many disciples at this point, until he said, you can't come to me unless my father draw you to me. You can't come to me unless my father draw you to me. That is what made the multitudes go home. Because they did not believe he was from the father. Now, there are many Christians today who are refusing to humble themselves, to clothe themselves with humility. And what do I mean by that? I mean, I cannot clothe myself with humility unless I believe God's only answer for me is Christ crucified. Not and. If I I say, yeah, that's true, and I believe that, but, or and, I I disrobe myself. I disrobe myself. Why do you think we're being told we have a need to be clothed with humility? Because we disrobe ourselves when we think there's anything other, any other avenue through which God is going to do anything for me, in me, through me, to me, for me, outside of my faith and what Jesus did for me at Calvary. When, I'm not, when, when I think it's the cross and, I disrobe myself. I may still be saved, and I may still be going through all the motions, but I am not wearing the cloak of humility unless I'm trusting in what Jesus did at the cross alone through his humility and obedience as he trusted exclusively in what his heavenly father's righteous judgment was. Do you understand that? There are many things going on all in the church today, many moves, many distractions that will cause nothing but anxiety in the hearts of those who are focused on anything other than the Lamb of God. So let's move on through this today. And they will even hear what these ministers God has raised up in these last days of preaching, and they will sit there and say they agree, but. But, but that but shows that they are not seeing the cross properly. Now, th- the door is always open from the Lord for repentance. Folk can repent if they are hearing the truth, for there is no other grounds for repentance except the grounds of Calvary. There are no other grounds for repentance except the truth of the Lamb. None. None. That's why we can tell God we're sorry for 40 years about living in the same old sin, but there's no repentance. There's no turning from that. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says that... Uh, if we, it, we there's more than confessing but there's forsaking of sin let's look at that since the lord has has led us there proverbs 28 and 13 because we'll see the reality of true prosperity of true Prosperity, yes, true when true repentance is found, true prosperity is found. Let's look at what that is this morning while we're here on this topic. Proverbs 28 and 13 says, he that covers his sins shall not prosper. That means he that's trying to do anything about any of his sins, Other than trust in Christ and Him crucified, shall not prosper because He's trying to cover His own sins. He that covers His sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Look at this. Notice the wording here of prosper. He that covers His sins shall not prosper. He that covers His sins. He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. You see, mercy is God's prosperity for His people. God's mercy is His offer of His prosperity for all who will believe. And those who receive God's prosperity are experiencing the confession of their sins And the power of Christ crucified, which is to forsake their sins. Get this anybody can confess their sins, but only those who find the mercy of God in Christ crucified will have the power to forsake their sins. No one else. No one else. No one else. Watch this now. And what we're seeing here in 1 Peter chapter 5, again, we're told in verse 5 to be clothed with humility because God only gives grace to the humble, not the proud. Meaning, if I'm not clothed with humility, I'm walking as a prideful man. Doesn't matter, though I have tears, my lips hanging out. I'm trying to put on a show of humility. As you've heard me teach, there's two ends of the prideful stick. One of them is the boast in me, outward. Everybody knows, everybody in town knows I'm prideful. But the other end of that prideful stick is the woe is me and the victim attitude, trying to draw attention to me, lip hanging out. Nobody loves me, nobody cares about That's pride as well, drawing attention to me, but anything that's not faith in the sacrifice of Christ, God sees as pride in the heart because it's either trusting in the work of Christ crucified, what he did through humility and obedience unto death, that's our serving obedience unto righteousness or it's us serving the sin nature unto death, which has can have a very loud boast of religion in it but it's any but all of that is trusting in anything other than the finished and complete work of Christ at Calvary allows the sin nature to begin to reign again and that my friends is the avenue through which the enemy can devour through our trusting in the sin nature so in verse 6 we're told to humble ourselves still talking about humility Because without grace, not only can we not carry out the will of God, but we will be carrying out the plan of the enemy. You need need to understand that. Pride is the ground for the sin nature to function, and it's through our sin nature working through the lust of our flesh that the enemy has grounds to dominate and to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. You need to understand, but it's through the sin nature functioning. Get this now. Watch this now. And we talked about this last week. First, the Holy Spirit shows us humility is a mandate for grace, and it's the humility of Christ that becomes our humility when our faith is in His sacrifice alone. No mixture. Alone. Then... We can cast all our anxieties and our distractions upon Him because through that faith, through that grace, through that faith in the crucified Lamb of God, will we find, I said, will we find our good shepherd caring for us, providing for us that which we need, that which we need, which is what? More grace. Hallelujah. Watch now. And then he says, be sober. That word means discerning. Be discerning. Be vigilant. That word means watching. Let's look at it together. The word vigilant, you need to understand these definitions of these words. That word means to keep awake. Only those who, in the church age today who've been awakened to the reality of the one faith, Ephesians 4, 5, and the one object of faith, meaning the death of Jesus, only those Christians have been awakened unto God's holy commandment, God's way of righteousness. Amen. The church is told to awake out of sleep and Christ will give us light. The church is told to repent from a place of being dead or repent from the place of having the spirit of God but Christ on the outside of the door of fellowship wanting back in to fellowship we're told to repent. The only way these things can take place is if we return to the dressing room so to speak the cross where we were dressed fully in humility in the armor of light in the whole armor of God in Christ Jesus which made all the other uh, coverings possible the robe of righteousness in all that we've been robed with we must go back to the cross to renew our minds to walk in this that we were clothed in in the beginning amen amen so to be vigilant means to keep awake to watch to keep watching. It's not happens on well every once in a while. No, this vigilant mind is the mind that is awake, it is discerning, and it is continuously doing so. If we come to God, if God is going to be pleased, the writer of Hebrew says. We must have faith. It's impossible to please him without faith. But he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently, that means no breaks, no no allowing mixture, no breaks, no mixture, them that diligently seek him. He's only sought and found in one place, my friend. The Lord is only sought and found in one place, and that is Christ and Him crucified. He's not found in any other place. Everything we're looking for, everything we've been given, everything we possess that's of the Lord is in Christ. All the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. Yes, and guaranteed to be so. Amen. And when our faith is laid in that one door, meaning His death, then we have access. But when we begin to waver and say, yes, the cross, but, yes, the cross, and, then We're moving the object of our faith from the sacrifice. And you can't say, well, I've got it there, but also... No, listen. Having our faith anchored in anything but the slain Lamb of God is telling God with our heart that the cross is not really enough. And when that's what our heart is believing, God cannot make known. He cannot show you His covenant. The folks who were in Laodicea, Revelation 3.20, he's not able to show them his covenant because they're trusting in something else. If they weren't, he wouldn't be on the outside of the door knocking to return to fellowship with them. If the church of Sardis weren't trusting in something other than Christ and his work at Calvary, he wouldn't have to be telling them they are dead. I want you to think about this. If Peter in Antioch wouldn't have been trusting in something other than Christ and him crucified, there would not have been need for a rebuke toward him given to him by the apostle Paul, which said he saw that Peter was not walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. There wouldn't have been need for any of that. But see, we, you and me, have a very quick tendency at any moment to trust in something other than wholeheartedly in the Lamb slain. We've done it many, many times. We have done it many, many times. The Holy Spirit is faithful to be there to remind you there's no other object of faith than the death of Jesus. And when we... Find ourselves boasting in something else, or we say, Yes, the cross, but yes, the cross, and we disrobe ourselves from humility and we have no avenue of grace, which proves that wearing the cloak of humility is when the heart is surrendered to that form of doctrine that initially saved us where God robed us in the humility of Christ. Come on, somebody. See the simplicity of this. So watch this now, what we're being told here. But we're not being told to be sober and be vigilant because our adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour without first being given the answer of what will eliminate his power, him from touching us, being able to attach anything to us, which the Bible says in 1 John 5, That he can't touch us who are the children of God. Hallelujah. Would you like to see that this morning? Let's look at that this morning. It's a good time to look at it with all the the negativity about the power of the cross not not being enough. Uh, But my friend, I, I can assure you that what God did at Calvary is more than enough. It's what makes his grace more than enough sufficient no matter the attacks no matter the lies no matter the, the the suffering no matter what capacity of suffering it is God's grace is sufficient and it will be found by those who put on that cloak of humility and And my friend, I'm not being ugly, but those are only the ones who are boasting and trusting exclusively in the death of Jesus, nobody else. When there's a mixture, when there's a mixture, there's a disrobing of humility. And when God cannot find faith in the sacrifice, he cannot give grace. And when he cannot give grace, he's going to be knocking to get back in fellowship. When God cannot give grace, he's going to be telling somebody they're dead. When God cannot give grace, he's going to be loudly pointing people back to the place where he can give grace. Thank God for these ministers of righteousness in these last few moments of this age that we're in. Thank God for that. When God can't find the faith of the Son of God, meaning one's trusting in what his son did at Calvary, he cannot give grace. And when he cannot give grace, there is no soberness. There is no vigilance. There is no soberness. There is no proper discernment outside of God's grace. Do you understand that? This is why in Paul's suffering and with the thorn in his flesh, and let me say it again today, which by the way, God gave him. The Bible says that. And he wanted that thorn removed. And after the third time of pleading with God to remove that thorn, the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you. Why is that? He went on to tell him, because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. See, God's grace is all that we need, but he has a prescribed way and a prescribed place, exclusive place that he gives grace, and that's when he finds faith in his son and his son's death on Calvary's tree. Those who don't believe this and disagree with this also must believe there's other way of salvation because we're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So watch this in 1 John 5 and 18. We know. Paul, I'm with the I'm with Paul and his group of we's. We know. I'm not with all this other stuff going on today. We know that whosoever is born of God sins not. It means they're not just living in blatant sinful uh, activity making excuses for their sin. But he that is begotten of God guards himself. That's what the word keeps himself means. It means he guards himself and that wicked one Touches him not. Now I want you to see the definition this morning of the word touches him not. It means properly to attach oneself to. That's what it means. And the Bible says the enemy can't do that. He cannot properly, he cannot attach himself to those who are born again. He cannot do that. He can work through a sin nature that has been revived because the object of faith by the Christian has been moved from exclusively... The Gospel, the death of Jesus Christ, the focus of Calvary, the slain lamb. when we begin to move when we begin to move away from the focus and the boast in and the trust and dependence exclusively in the death of Jesus, Paul said in chapter 7 of Romans the sin nature revives this is why the enemy perverts Scripture. he would have many today think that Paul was writing about his pre-born-again experience. Yeah, the enemy would have you believe that, but that's not what's written there. Paul said, when I was alive once without the law. Well, he was never alive. He was never alive without the law. He was dead and buried under its bondage until he met Jesus Christ. Then he was alive in Christ without the law. But he says there in Romans chapter 7 verses 9 through 11 that when he was alive once without the law the commandment came meaning he reached back thinking he could start obeying the commandments again just because he was saved and he found out very quickly he couldn't because he writes the sin nature revived and I died That's what happens. That's why the church in Sardis, I said the saved church of Sardis, was called dead by Jesus because the sin nature had revived. That's why Jesus is on the outside knocking on the door of the hearts of those in Laodicea to get back into fellowship with them, those who had the Spirit of God but were not through the Spirit of God in fellowship with their Savior because their object of their faith had been moved from the sacrifice. My friend, if you're running around boasting in anything other than the cross today, you're not cloaked in the humility of Christ. You're not cloaked in the humility of Christ. I want you to know that. I want to also make a point known about the Scriptures. The closer Jesus got to his laying his life down on the cross the less people there would be found following him. The end of the life of the Apostle Paul that was determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified. Everyone turned away from the Apostle Paul except the handful of people that he was writing to. Why is that? Because this way of the cross is in total opposition Of everything of this world, everything of this world, every ounce of religion that is in the church, every object of faith that is not the cross of Christ, God is resisting. God is resisting everything. So watch this now. 1 Peter 5 and 8. And you're not going to be able to argue with these people who refuse to maintain their boast in the cross alone. Because if that's not what our boast is in alone, then our viewing of Scripture is going to be perverted, is going to be mixed, which will make us mixed. You need to understand... The sound mind that God gave you when you were born again, if you don't keep your faith in the object of faith, the object it was in when God saved you, then you're not going to have a sound mind. You're going to be spinning and turning, and this year it'll be about that focus and boast, next year it'll be about that, and you'll even, I'm sorry, you'll even come to the place where you're saying, yeah, to the cross. But you're saying, but, many times. And my friend, that is a mind that is not sound. That is a mind that is not sober. That's a mind that is not watching in an awakened state at all times for the right reason. Because our you're in my, Christians, we have an adversary. It's the devil. He's roaring as a lion. Listen, the, the roar of this one who tries to pretend, this one who, is a, who tries to present himself as another way of having the grace of God. And that's what, that's what he does, doesn't he? Isn't that what he did to Eve? He presented what he was saying as another way to get what she was after. Come on, somebody. This one who roars as a lion presents his lies as, as certain ways that you can get from God things you're really after other than just by obeying God. And my friend, there is no obedience to God seen by God when our faith is not in the obedient one and his finished work at Calvary. And when we say, yeah, 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 I know that, I believe that, but that but brings in the mixture and that mixture causes us to no longer be sober, which is properly able to discern, and it surely prevents us from being vigilant, which is means awakened to the reality of God's way, God's one exclusive uh, prescribed way of any, any aspect of experiencing his salvation, any of it, get that. The devil, when he roars as a lion, it's always a lie, and that lie, the lies of the enemy will make you move away. If you're listening to them, it will make you move away from your boast in Christ. If you're hearing and listening and focused on the devil or devils or demons, if that's become your focus, then you've been moved away. And it's no wonder that our words become foolish and and, and totally opposite from what Scripture proclaims. When the devil roars as a lion, it makes us hide from God if we're listening to it. it, 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 Listen, when the devil roars as a lion, it makes us hide from God. It makes us hide from God. Listen, even if it's in a deceptive way and we don't know it, go back to the church in Laodicea. They were hiding from God. If you're not in fellowship with the Lord, my friend, you're hiding from Him. Oh, You might need to write that down today. What a powerful statement that is. If we're not in fellowship with the one who saved us, and we're not if our faith is not in the sacrifice of Christ. If we're not in fellowship with Him, we're hiding from Him through some lie of the enemy. And through that lie, we are being Devoured. Yes. Oh, no. Not demon-possessed. Oh, no. Because we are the temple of God. And and God allows no demons to possess His temple. He's He's the king of His temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're no longer the temple of demons and devils. Oh, but being influenced and hearkening to the lie of the enemy. Oh, we can do that in a moment. You need to know these things. Watch now. Only as you're clothed in humility, which is only as you're surrendered to serving obedience unto righteousness, meaning faith in the cross of Christ alone. Can you resist steadfast? Get that. Watch now. Only as we cloak ourselves in Christ's humility through faith in what he did in humility through obedience unto death can we be sober, diligent, awake and watching, and aware of the deceitful deceptions that come to distract us from being determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified. Only when we move the object of our faith and our focus to something other than the cross of Christ, will the enemy be able to roar and it move us in a wrong direction? Because he does come to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. And Paul even said that to, in, in one of the letters he wrote to the church in Corinth that many are weak, sick, and dying prematurely. Because they're not discerning the Lord's body. You see, the Lord and what He did in His body on the tree is God's only answer for everything you're seeking. He don't have two answers. He's got one. You say, well, what about all the things in the Word we're told to do? You can't do any of them, my friend, unless your faith is in the blood. And that's what allows the Holy Spirit to legally carry out the Word of God in and through you as a vessel of God that you are. You and I can't do the Word of God just because we hear the Word of God. It takes faith in the Word of God that comes through righteousness, 2 Peter 1 and 1. That's the righteousness of what God did in His Son at Calvary. That's why our faith must be in Christ crucified just like it was when we were born again because that's what allows us to serve obedience unto righteousness. If that's not what we're serving, then we're serving The sin nature unto death. Watch now. This is a process. This is a a picture of how this living for God and escaping the devouring of the enemy through the lust of our own flesh because that's the root of it all, my friend. That's the root of it all. These people running around talking about, yeah, the cross, but also, no, that's the lust of our flesh. Doesn't matter how you write it down, how well you present it, I'm writing commentary right now. Let's look at it, the commentary. I stay a couple of days ahead in my writing, and let's look at the commentary that that I'm writing right now in Psalms 55 that goes so well uh, with this, what we're talking about today, because the enemy is the one who speaks these words words these lies that, that his ro- the, the, the devil that goes to and fo- fro as a lion roaring seeking whom he 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 roars as a lion seeking whom he may devour uh, that that word devour means literally swallow up and that means us be found carrying out his will that is the lust of our through the lust of our flesh, than the will of God. What? They're only lies. They're only lies that seem right, but there's something at war there. There's something always behind the scenes that's going to destroy us if we're listening to them. This is why God said in Galatians six fourteen, let your boast be in nothing. He forbids you to boast in anything other than the cross of Christ because through it you were crucified to the world and everything in the world and the world and everything in the world was crucified to you. There is no other answer. But watch this now. In Psalms 55, verse 13. 21, and David is here writing, the psalmist is here writing, of the enemy attacking him, the enemy's workings to try to destroy him. Watch the wording here, and this is a great picture of how the enemy roars as a lion seeking whom he may devour. Watch this in Psalms 55, verse 21. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter. But war was in his heart. Oh, my friend, you're in a war. You're in a war, and you better, you better take heed whose words you're hearing. That's why Jesus said, take heed what you hear, and take heed how you're hearing. Listen to these words. The words of his mouth. This is talking about the enemy. Who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This is talking about the ones, this is talking about the devil. And our, and our, listen, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but make no mistake about it, whatever we're battling out there, for the most part, is taking place in flesh and blood, through flesh and blood. That's a reality. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against that which is working through flesh and blood, through men. It's obvious. It's, it's, it's apparent. Watch now. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter. Isn't that what the devil did to Eve in the garden? Produce words that were so smooth. Smooth as butter that would even make Listen, the devil stood there and told Eve God was a liar. Did he say it in those words? No. But had God told Adam and Adam told his wife, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day you eat of that tree, you will surely die. But the devil there with words smoother than honey told Eve, you won't die, but you'll become like God. Oh, she wanted nothing more than to become like God. But words smoother than honey were produced to her. But what was in the heart of the devil? War. This is war to him, my friend. That was a war to him. That was war. He's warring against the Godhead. He's warring against the plan of God. He's warring against everything that Christ stands for. And he's a liar and his words are smoother than butter. And if we're not pointing people to Calvary, our words are nothing more than smooth like butter. Oh, but look, but war was in his heart. But that's not the end of this verse, look. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords? The enemy comes with words that are smoother than buddy butter. Buddy, his words are smoother than butter, but war is all that's in his heart against everything that God stands for. And his and listen, his words are softer than oil. Oh, it just rubs on so smooth. But his words are drawn swords waiting to slay anyone. He can distract and point to any other object of faith than Christ crucified. Such a powerful truth there written, hallelujah, to the Lamb. Glory be to God this morning. Oh, there's life in the blood. There's power and wisdom in the blood. There's a defeat. The Bible says that our one defense is our righteousness in Christ. We don't have another defense. It's our righteousness in Christ Jesus, which was offered us through his death. Hallelujah. That's why when faith comes, it comes by hearing the word of God, but it has to come through the righteousness of God's word, Second Peter 1 and 1. If faith doesn't come through righteousness, faith has no place to come. And all of God's words are in righteousness Proverbs 8 and 8 but his words uh, listen his words of righteousness are concealed in the gospel they're only revealed his righteousness is only revealed in the gospel so all the word that's Romans 1, 16 and 17 so Proverbs 8 and 8 all of God's words found in righteousness are only found within the perimeters of the gospel revealed in the gospel that's why he can't reveal anything to you outside of your faith in the gospel by which he saved you hallelujah you, re- you you when you start talking about yeah the cross yeah the cross but listen then the revealing is over the revealing is over jesus said in luke 14 26 and 27 that unless we bear our cross. That means keep our faith in what He did on the cross. Unless we bear our cross, we cannot be His disciples. We can pretend to be His disciples. We can be good churchgoers. We can be good Bible readers and even students of the Word, but we can't be His disciples. And that word, disciples, means learner. We cannot learn unless our faith is is in the gospel. And when there's a mixture, then our learning is all mixed up. Let me say that again. When there's a mixture, then we're we're confused. This is why we can't allow any leaven because it leavens the whole pot, the whole lump. Amen. So watch this now. Let's read verse 9 and 10 or actually verses 8 and 9 together. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brothers that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory, By Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish and strengthen and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. You see, we've been given the promise of victory. We've been given the answer of that victory, and I do mean the only answer for all victory, and it's Christ crucified. To experience that, our faith must be resting within the door that was opened on the tree of Calvary. Let me say it again as we prepare to close this teaching session today. We've got about five minutes left. There's one door through which God operates in and among all of humanity, and that is the door of His Son that swang wide open on the tree of Calvary. There He offers you a place to put your faith that by His grace He can save you. There and there alone, He offers you a place to put your faith where He can teach you and keep you and strengthen you and establish you and keep you from the enemy being able to attach anything to you. There alone. This is why when we start putting our faith in fasting or praise and worship or our giving, all those things that are good. Oh, they're so good. But the Bible says the law is good, but it can't save us. Therefore, anything we do cannot save us and it cannot deliver us. So when you hear a minister say, don't you know, saints, that you can dance your way into liberty and freedom? Words, very smooth But war is in the heart. Deceptive and deceit. When you hear smooth words that sound so right. Smooth words. Smooth as butter. Smooth as oil. My friends, the only avenue we have to be sober minded and vigilant. And to recognize what is smooth but war is behind it. What is smooth, but it's nothing more than the drawn swords of the enemy behind it. The only avenue we can be sober-minded and vigilant, awake and remain awake, is when our boast is in Jesus Christ and his death alone. When we begin to say, That I believe in the cross, yes. I would never discount the cross. But, that but disrobes you. It disrobes you from the humility that can receive grace. You must be careful who you hear, what you hear. For even I myself, Paul would say, if I come back again preaching any other gospel than what I've already preached, Paul said you better write me off even if an angel appears from heaven as many claimed has happened and provide any information other than the focus of Christ and him crucified you better write that off there's only one place God offered you to behold and that's His glorious Son providing that glorious image of Him dying for you. That you might be found in Him through faith in His death. That you might be saved from your sins and delivered moment by moment. Make no mistake, the deceitful, the deception. The words will become more smooth than you've ever heard. But the war Of the enemy is behind those words. The words will become swelling and smoother than ever before, but there's drawn swords of the enemy behind those words. Unless you're hearing words that point you to Calvary, you're hearing words that are pointing you away, distracting you from thereof. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And I won't be ashamed just because the Lord's not showing it to everybody because you've got to surrender to this truth for the Lord to be able to show you more of it. That's what Jesus meant when He said, I'll send the Spirit of truth and He'll guide you into all truth. But it's only truth that's able to teach truth. It's only Scripture that can reveal Scripture. When we put our two cents in between the lines and the precepts, we become confused and distracted and our lives become full of contradiction. I hope you know that. God bless you. It's been a great session this morning. Oh, how beautiful it's been. How powerful it's been. Oh, the beauty of God's Word as we behold the Lamb and nothing else. For our journey ahead, God has surely set our steps in the footsteps of His own Son's righteousness which was worked out for us at Calvary. I hope you're learning these things. It's time for many of you to turn off what you've been listening to. It's time for many of you to turn aside from what you've been listening to, saying there's no harm in it. Oh, but there is great harm. If it's not the scriptures in light of the one who said the scriptures are about him and really where the scriptures lead us to, which is Calvary's hill, then, my friend, we're being led astray. I speak from experience, and I love you enough to remind you always of these things. God bless you. I hope you have a great day today in Christ Jesus. I pray that whatever you're asking the Lord for, That today, body, soul, or spirit, whichever one you need is touch upon, in a special way today, you'd find that touch through your faith in His Son's sacrifice at Calvary. He's faithful, and His grace is sufficient. I'll see you Sunday morning. If the Lord stirs your heart to be a blessing to this ministry, to give an offering to Him through this ministry, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com. Or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.